And now, right to your hosts of Down the Garden Path, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing. Down the Garden Path, where we discuss down-to-earth tips and advice while doing our best to help you seasonally manage your garden and landscape. I'm Joanne Shaw, owner of Down-to-Earth Landscape Design, and with me is my co-host, Matthew Dressing. Hello there, Matthew. Hello, Joanne, and good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us. I'm Matthew Dressing, owner of Natural Affinity Garden Design. As landscape designers and gardeners, we believe it's important and possible to have great gardens, which are sustainable and low maintenance, and we want to help you make it happen. That's right. And this month, we started a new month, everybody. <laughs> it seems it was, well, no, I guess we started it. Yes, we, it's, it's June. Anyway, this month on Down the Garden Path, we're looking at some of our favorite perennials, and we're kicking it off with a look at a versatile classic, sedum. From shrub substitute to colorful ground cover, it's hard not to have a great spot for a great sedum. Um, So if you use sedums in your garden, what is your favorite variety? We would love to hear from you. Send us your questions to instudio101 at gmail.com. That's right. And you are right. We did technically start the month last week. That's Um, right. But we were talking about our book. We were. We were talking about our book. Woo-hoo. on Amazon. So for the rest of the month, we'll mention the book, uh, which we would love for you guys to go out and buy at amazon.ca uh, but, or .com. But we are going to talk about perennials. Yes. That's right. That's right. And I think before we dive into the wonderful world of sedums, um, we were going to talk a little bit about a couple of perennial events mm-hmm. uh, that you and I got to attend to this weekend. Uh, that we've had some people write in and ask about. What did you, where did you, what happened this weekend with you? (laughs) I went to the, on Sunday, I went to the Toronto Botanical Gardens uh, tour. So they obviously haven't had it for a few years. Um, It was in the Winchwood area of Toronto. So St. Clair, Bathurst, Spadina, that area. So very interesting area, very, very interesting just to see the different styles of homes and sizes of homes and yards. Um, so there's a lot on the, on the agenda. Um, we did not see all of them. Oh, <laughs> um, so we took the shuttle bus and we, you know, did, did as many as we could. I'm going to sneeze. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, <sighs> anyway, time. so, um, so yeah, it was, it was a nice day. We were worried about the weather. Um, my friend Nancy, who I've mentioned before on the show, uh, and I, uh, did it and, uh, with a few other people that we knew. Um, so yeah, so it was kind of, uh, so if, you know, every year you go and you see a, something that sticks in your head, because I'm feeling like I'm a little, I don't know, jaded, just being a designer and going and kind of like, what am I looking for that type of thing. But there's, you always walk away with a few little tidbits. Very nice. And what was yeah. one of the fun or fa- your favorite tidbit that uh, you walked away with? This one was interesting in that I often, um, often clients, um, well, not often, but sometimes clients want a Rose of Sharon, for instance, right? Mm. And specifically in the front yard. And I really try not to do that because the shrub, the darn shrub looks like a dead shrub, a dead tree until, you know, about now, like mid-June. Um, so what, and this homeowner, it was, it, they had one in their front beside the front door, and then they must have had six 
rows of Sharon's in the back. It was, it was, it was a corner lot. It was quite a nice size yard. So the one at the front door though, they had a spring blooming clematis growing on it. So it was so because and it was a it was interesting, too, because they chose it well, because it was a double purple clematis. So at at first look, you think, oh, my goodness, the Rose of Sharon is blooming in June. Right. And then you realize, (laughs) oh, no, it's it's that's not a you know, and then, you, you know what I mean? Like it really got you thinking. And I thought that was smart, you know, have an early blooming uh, clematis grow on something that's late to leaf out. And then you can cut down that clematis or move it to the side and let the Rose of Sharon shine a little bit later in the season. So I thought that was really interesting. And then somebody with me said you could do the opposite with lilac, right? So when a lilac's done blooming, and, you know, especially some of the common like woodier ones right after they've done blooming, you could have like a fall, you know, or sweet autumn. Think about like a sweet autumn clematis kind of cascading throughout it or something. So I thought that was interesting way to have, you know, I love my shrubs that do two things, but this was an interesting way to make, you know, one space kind of do two things. So, yeah, so that was my I, you know, right off the top of my head. I think that was my biggest takeaway, my little design trick there. What nice. do you think? Yeah. No, that's a great tip. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> I always liked um, when people would get one of those old big corkscrew hazels and eventually, you know, they just get old and die. Yeah. But then it's such an interesting, all the curling branches and to do something like that, put an annual vine or a clematis or something around it to fill that interesting little yeah. space, all those twisty branches. So yeah, yeah no, no, I that think that's was, great. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. So, and you went somewhere a little closer to home. I did. Literally, I could almost see it from the window. Uh, but I went to, again, back for the first time after COVID, the uh, Oshawa Peony Festival. So every year, the uh, Oshawa Valley Botanic Gardens in the heart of downtown Oshawa has the Peony Festival. So they have lots of different peonies from different growers and um homeowners that come and they plant around uh, in this crescent moon shaped garden, big, massive rows. uh, And they label all these big, beautiful peonies right in the middle of when they're all opening and blooming. And there are some that bloom a little earlier. And there was a a few seed pods there, but the show like every previous year uh, was absolutely spectacular. I probably took like 80 photos. Um, They're just gorgeous uh, but it's really fun too because you get a lot of local artisans as well uh, so you get to come take photos you get to visit local uh, I think one of the local garden centers was there uh, but a lot of a local garden artisans as well making flags and pots oh, okay. and stands and fun yeah. stuff like that so there was a lot to do besides just walk around peonies. this tiny little thing yeah. and look at peonies and walk away because uh, they have also a big beautiful waterfall and some nice hosta beds and display gardens there as well so it was a lot of fun yeah so okay oshawa peony festival um always a big deal here in oshawa so you can always yeah. google the oshawa peony festival and yeah it was pretty fantastic i'm going to post some uh photos on instagram as well oh perfect that'd be great yeah. and we did have a listener pre-show Just starting we, yeah <laughs> uh, yeah did you see that um ron ron wrote in and asking if he'd missed the oshawa peony festival so Ron, if um, and, you're listening. <laughs> yes, you did. Um, well, I emailed you back. But the thing about the, that is that just because the festival's over doesn't mean the peonies have stopped blooming, right? You can still go 
And that's exactly what I was going to say is they don't dig the peonies up. They not right away, at least. So if you are still in the area and you still want to go just see the peonies, uh, they are still hanging out there and they will okay. be for a while before they're taken away. Okay. Now that I had no idea that somebody like they bring them and they, then they take them away. Not all of them, not all of them, but okay. there are a lot that stay there. And then there are some that go away. Like, are they just container grown? Like, are they just kind of the pots put in the ground or? Because they don't like being moved. So No, they're usually, most of them are there for a good part of the season. And then some of them are often taken away. Some of them are just unique varieties or cultivars that can't be replicated or one of a kind. And so we often will see some of those, those leave. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. The whole st- bed doesn't just. But like, they're not stolen. No. I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> where are we taking them? So yes, that I did not know. I have really seen how my garden, uh, my London plane trees, have gotten so big so fast that it, so far it hasn't really impacted much in my garden, but it has impacted the peonies. So I have a one tree peony and one peony um, and that I'm going to have to move now to like a sunnier part of the garden. Like they've really, so my one by my front door, that was always kind of questionable because I am east facing, but it got a little bit of the south sun a bit, you know, by noon kind of thing. But yeah, four blooms, you know, it's okay. Like it's alive, but it's not thriving. So I think it would be happier with some uh, new blooms. And then I was thinking I lost my tree peony because like the nine bark and the, the vibrant baby viburnum behind it and stuff. And it's just, I don't even know if it's going to bloom. I haven't seen a bud yet, but it's late. Right. So to not have bloomed. So I think I got to do some relocating, but uh, yeah, so that was great. So it's always interesting. There's lots, I've heard lots of talk. I think everybody's excited to get back in the garden. So there's been lots of, um, announcements of different garden tours. Uh, so check, you know, for anybody, check your local um, communities and see about garden tours if that's something you're interested in. It's always great to see. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think garden for our Ontario listeners or even Canadian listeners, Garden Making Magazine. Uh, we used, used to have a magazine, but now it's just a newsletter. And they do uh, what's happening each month. And they often list all the different garden clubs that are holding plant sales or um, garden tours. So not necessarily um, garden clubs. Other organizations hold them too. Yeah. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Very nice. So yeah. yeah, what events were in your area this weekend or maybe ones that uh, we should check out? Maybe mm-hmm. we should have one on the show. That would be neat. Well, speaking of that, so I also went with my designer friends to Whistling Gardens on Thursday. So I had a busy, right, yes. like a very busy work week because I had to work around these other events. Um, so Whistling Gardens. Um, so I spoke to Darren. He does want to be on the show. They have a 25th. I'll find it out here. They have a 25th anniversary coming up or 20th anniversary coming up. Um, and he does want to promote a few things. So we're excited. Whistling Gardens is just very unique space. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere, but it's totally, I feel like it's the new w- worth the drive to Acton because I think Acton now is not <laughs> a big deal. But for those of you who grew up that now, this is worthwhile to go to Whistling Gardens. Um, it's like, and they also had a peony festival, which was an, an unbelievable. So, um, so yeah, oh. so that was, that was really good. So I highly re- recommend you trying that next year, but just go like we, that's what we didn't want to go on the week weekends right we want we picked we kind of reserved the Thursday before or the Tuesday after and we thought okay let's see where the season is whether we went on the Thursday or the Tuesday so we did the Tuesday 
Very yeah. nice. So there Very you go. Nice. So yeah, so Whistling Gardens, um, lots of really cool conifers, see some really interesting trees and in, in mature state, see the peonies. Yeah, it's very interesting. Very nice. And yeah, yeah, if you want to learn more about Whistling Gardens and uh, what Darren and uh, them all do that there, uh, there is a podcast. We had them on in March of 2019. So you can down Google down the garden path podcast, Whistling Gardens, and you should find our episode there. Excellent. So, Excellent. Like, so, <laughs> sedums. Sedums, yes. sedums, sedums. What are sedums? We probably have all seen sedums. Uh, we actually have a, a listener, Amy, who was very close to the top, right? Oh, uh, Amy. Thank you, Amy. Shout out to Amy um, for, for sending, a sending in a picture. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so she's got a beautiful picture. She looks like she's got three of her uh, sedums there in her beautifully mulched garden, uh, some nice grasses growing there. Uh, Amy's from Chicago. Uh, they look beautiful. They look like Purple mm -hmm. Emperor. I don't know, Amy, if uh, you know the cultivar name or who it is, uh, but yeah, they look stunning and nice and ready to bloom. Yeah. Isn't this the variety you put on the graphic? It does. Yeah. I have <laughs> the purple, yeah, purple emperor variety. That's exactly what I thought. <laughs> yeah. Amy, you've sent us a perfect graphic picture. So thank you. That's great. Um, so I, yeah, yeah, no, that is very good. Very exciting. We love pictures. Um, and this is Clyde. He is saying, oh, okay. Um, yes. He, we, this is what we were talking about. Clyde is asking about the garden shows that you know of here in the GTA coming up. I know a lot were canceled over the past two years. I can, now he can't keep track as to what is happening. So like I said, I would check out uh, the garden making uh, website and get their newsletter and mm -hmm. it'll be emailed to you and it, it gives a lot of events. Um, I've seen, I've had a couple sent to me because also through um, from the garden club, uh, I'm president of the Pickering Garden Club. So I've had a few, I think Sterling is having one. Um, so yeah, we can put some dates of the ones I know about in our show notes. And, uh, but definitely there's lots happening. So, uh, so yeah, in the community. So much fun out there to be had. <laughs> um, right. And then we have one more uh, message off the top and it was Steve has written in, hi, Matt and Joanne, I have an idea for a show and I know that you've asked and yes, we always are. Uh, so if you have an idea for the show, let us know. We love new ideas and knowing what you guys have on top of your gardening minds. So Steve says, how about ways and information about collecting rainwater? I sent a drawing as an attachment. That would be a really cool. Thank you. And yes, thank you, Steve, for the, the wonderful idea. Uh, most certainly. And I think there's going to be some different regulations and stuff. We'll have to mm -hmm. research for different parts of the country. But uh, I think I just saw Joanne write that down, Steve. So thank I you. I did. I wrote it down. And I think we had it. another listener uh, write in about that as well in the past. So I think, yeah. Perfect. And um, mm -hmm. I forget their name too, but um, we also just had someone wrote you about a show all about poisonous plants. That's right. That's right. So, and we're excited because I think that's a great idea, right? Yes. We might do that sooner than later. <laughs> that's right. So stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. That's right. Um, so yeah. But the plant all about tonight's show as we kind of veer a little bit of everywhere and not that we don't appreciate everybody's questions and uh suggestions etc we're going to jump back into sedums 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 um so these are you've probably seen them beautiful succulent plants most of them are late summer 
uh, to fall flowering. You can get, as uh, Joanne mentioned in the beginning, you can get things like Purple Emperor or Autumn Joy. Some of them can get fairly large and almost become like a small shrub substitute. Very architectural, very rounded, densely branched. Uh, and then they're going to flower in the fall. <clears throat> oh, I think you're going to say something. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things we love about our sedums, though, is that they are very drought tolerant once they are established. So they have a wide range. They can take a little bit of moisture as well, um, So, but they don't like the standing water. So they're going to love a full sun to a partial sun. They're going to grow and spread depending on the type you have. You can get anywhere from about 12 inches to about 24 inches tall and wide. So about two by two, sometimes three by three if you have an, an older plant or depending on the cultivar, but very drought tolerant. They like dry, they will tolerate the moisture, but it has to be very well drained moisture. Mm -hmm. It does yeah. not want to stand in any water whatsoever. So if you've got a dry, uh, sun blasted spot, sedum is going to be a great little choice for you. Do you have any sedums in your garden? I do. I have a lot of, um, I really like the ground cover more. I mean, I think when you say sedum, I think most people think of that big autumn joy one, right? Which yeah. is kind of big and it's kind of like a hosta, like it's the other extreme and the hosta in the sense that it always gets too big and they have to divide it and they give it to all their friends. And so now everybody's got lots of sedum. Um, I really like the smaller ones. So I have, I've almost made a carpet. Um, and one thing that they are good for is they are salt tolerant. So yes, they yeah. are along. Yeah. So they're along my garden. Um, that's along my driveway. They are along the curb that is along the street. Cause I, I don't have a sidewalk and I don't, and my garden goes right to the curb. So they have proven to be really good, really resilient at, you know, everything that gets climbed, you know, piled onto them, um, the, the uh, garbage cans and recycling cans, again, I get tossed in that area too. Like they're pretty resilient. Um, I wouldn't say they're steppable. So that is one thing I think people wish that you could, you yeah. know, they were often asked like, what could you put between stepping stones or instead of grass and have it be a steppable? And I think that would really damage them. Like, I don't think that they would really last. I think there are some that are tighter, right? You could find some that are um, but I think then those ones are so slow growing that you would never really get it to fill in. Yeah, they oh. would be neat against the rockery or yeah. something like that, but not to step on. And yeah. I agree. I've seen them in spaces where you get something like uh, like a variegated one or like a, a classic uh, dragon's blood, mm -hmm. but they have very thin, fleshy stems, uh, the ground cover ones. And I found that stepping on them, they're often very easily crushed. Mm -hmm. um, and if they don't break off, they've bruised and you just lose that nice, fine kind of uh, rounded foliage. It just becomes unsightly and yeah. you want to burn it. So, yeah, there are definitely better selections for, for yeah. the steppables. For sure. And I don't really even care about the flower, to be honest. Like, I love the texture. I love yes. that they're more open. Like, I've got dragon's blood mixed with another one mixed with the, you know, and like they all have a slightly different texture. And then you get into Angelina, which is a, mm. a really tight, fine um, texture, but it's bright yellow. It's not a flower, people. It's just a texture of a foliage. And it and and those some of them also like you literally can take a piece off of like break a piece off and toss it on ground and it just grows. Right. So that's, you know, good or bad, depending on how careful you are. Um, but I just love that. I love that it has knit itself together. 
Um, I even have some creeping times. I should almost even post a picture later. So I've got, you know, I've got um, carpet juniper, a creeping woolly thyme, and a sedum, and they've kind of like woven together, and it's quite interesting. Um, yeah, th- th- that, that would be beautiful. Yeah, it's quite interesting. So, um, so yeah, I really I can speak very highly on some of that. I wish I knew all the varieties, but I think when you go to the ground cover section. You know, we know dragon's blood because it's the one that gets, you know, kind of red, but there's mm. a lot of green ones and lime green ones. I dug one up. I had to move some around and there was, I have a variegated green and white one. Um, and then one that was more white with green too. Right. I, I was just, it was reminding me of um, like the variegated Russian one. It kind of has that classic longer lanceolate or almost oval-like leaf, gets some pink flowers on it. Mm-hmm. Um, a nice low growing, uh, about six inches to about a foot wide, um, same conditions. The other ones that I like as well are things like the Daphne. Um, uh, it's a little bit of a different one. So it's got more of like rounded leaves along the stem. So it has a different, uh, like an upright and arching. It's a little bit bigger of a spreader. Okay. And it has a nice silvery blue with a little bit of pink around the edges. Um, but so there's a lot of different varieties. Like you said, um, Angelina is a bright yellow one. It was, I, I never want to remember, there was an annual version. It was the peren- Proven Winners Perennial of the Year, I, I think two years ago, um, that was similar to it. Oh, but it's okay. long, thin, bright chartreuse yellow uh, stems. And then it's got like nice little, almost like evergreen needles spiking out onto it and nice waves and things it's funny Did so I'm, I'm thinking we should have no no i'm just thinking that i can't we're talking about it we didn't really come up with names of specific sedums and i went oh. to the grower <laughs> my growers look book and there is a page like two there's a co- two columns per page so there is a page and a half of almost three pages uh, yeah i think a page front and back of uh of sedums so so, and some of the names are just hilarious so yeah where we talked about the um the red or the dragon's blood then there's red carpet um Mm -hmm. yeah so the the dragon's blood i always thought so i always get those two mixed up because i think that so the dragon's blood is green but has red flowers and the red carpet stone crop has is red leaves and gets red flowers and right do Do you get them mixed up too yeah all the time i always do that for dragon's blood yeah yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, and they all say stone crop as well. So I think sedum, when I, when I also hear stone crop, I think of sedum, like the autumn joy uh, sedum, which is the big kind of more rounded one. Uh, that's what I think of. But they're, you know, so that's a rounded one. Autumn fire is rounded. Um, but there's some really cool, fun names, back in black, um, upright yep. growth habit near black leaves which um boogie woogie stone crop which i thought was funny so variegated green leaves with creamy margins yellow flowers appear by midsummer and they do kind of surprise you with the flowers right they're not all the same they really are unique yeah they're all a little different umbles and little clusters and mm-hmm. some of them are very layered and architectural and then some just like cover the whole plant completely like yes. a, an early spring flocks yeah. Lita Kent's uh, sown crop was eye-catching red stems with hot pink star-shaped flowers, ground cover mounded uh, form. And the other thing, good thing to know is most of these, in fact, if not all of these that I'm looking at are zone three. 
I was going to say, we haven't said anything about the zones. Yeah, mm-hmm. they are arranged from zone two to three uh, and then forward into the nines and tens, uh, depending on where you are. So great, long or wide range for sure. Yeah, I love uh, Lady Kent as well. Again, it kind of gives me that um, that nice kind of silvery blue kind of look a little bit to that foliage too, for sure. Mm. And the fun names, the Boogie Woogie Rock and Grow stone crops yes yes and one that you uh you didn't know this but when you worked at the garden center you actually convinced me to buy dazzleberry and i have to say i you mean the one thing i love about dazzleberry now i can't speak to these others so it's it's it would be it's bigger than a ground cover um here i am i moved the camera off so it's bigger than a ground cover it is a mound but not like autumn joy it no. is just like a softer mound, but the foliage. So again, I'm not like the flower is the flower, but the foliage, that purple, silver, purple foliage mm. in the garden is so lovely. It's a lovely little surprise. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. Uh, just that neat, nice little spreading mound and that beautiful, rich uh, foliage color just is eye, eye stopping. Um, and I think what was the series? Uh, I think it's the Dazzleberry series. So I think there's okay. a whole series now. Um, I'm totally forgetting them off the top of my head. Well, you think while I read this, so gray Perfect. blue foliage with a pink tone, bright raspberry pink flowers appear. Early, and this is cool, everybody. Early August and last into September. And that can be a hard time in the garden. You know, end of August, yes. September. You know, we get a lot of ones that bloom in September and a lot of ones that finish in August. So this is kind of a neat bridge one. And um, like I said, it doesn't, you know, the problem for me with stone crop is that, in, or not stone crop, autumn joy, is that it gets big and it does that splitting in the center, that kind of thing, where these are, I love them that they're tighter. Yeah. And the, and the ground cover ones are easy. Like I have, I have one that kind of took off on me and it's underneath my, um, I have a little bonsai juniper and it's kind of grown underneath the bonsai juniper, which doesn't allow you to see the shape of the bonsai. So my neighbor was actually <laughs> doing some work on his boulevard and getting rid of the weeds and turning it into a garden. And I said, and he, he had ground covers and he bought some of sedums himself and some uh, creeping thime and stuff. And I said, here, come get a shovel full of, or two of Angelina. <laughs> Cause I said, you know, I need this to go away. Cause I can't, you know, it'll come back, but I, you know, so it, they're very easy <laughs> to share, but not that someone will regret it. It's not like sharing gout, gout weed or something. Right. Yes, I was going to say, because you've said that a lot of times on the show, which is, is great. If someone is usually giving it away because they've got lots of it, it's maybe not something you want in your garden. Absolutely. But this is one of those ones that you can get those groups that will spread, but it's mm-hmm. not invasive. It's not like a lily of the valley or a goutweed or a whatever. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, excellent point. Yeah. We are reaching the bottom of the hour, and I see there is a few questions uh, popping in. I think there's another picture, uh, but I'm just going to pause and say thank you, everyone, for joining us here live on Reality Radio 101. I'm Matthew Dressing here with my co-host, Joanne Shaw, and you're listening to Down the Garden Path. Joanne and I enjoy hosting Down the Garden Path each week, bringing you interesting and relevant topics to help you achieve a great garden. We learn right along with you from our research and from the guests that join us here on the show. Don't forget, you can spend more time with us down the garden path 
follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Our handle there is at Down the Garden Path Podcast. And you can learn a lot more with some low maintenance tips and tricks with our new book, Down the Garden Path, a step-by-step guide to your Ontario garden. And it does go beyond Ontario, but we're here. The zones and the timing are just a little off. So don't be afraid uh, to pick it up. If you're listening to the podcast as well, maybe you're in the car, you're at home. It's not live Monday night. Thank you as well for joining us here and downloading the podcast. Don't forget, you can find the podcast of all the previous episodes on your favorite podcast provider. Just Google Down the Garden Path podcast. Don't forget while you're there, please hit that subscribe button to be notified of new content. And please don't forget to like, share, and leave us a comment. We love hearing from our listeners. We love your pictures. We love your ideas. We love knowing what's going on in your gardening world. So if you have something to say, we'd love to hear from you. You can always write us here. Gary, our wonderful producer, will get get us the mail at instudio101 at gmail.com, but you can also find us via our websites. You can find Joanne at www.downtoearth.ca, and you can find myself at www.naturalaffinity.ca. So let's jump into those. Who do we have? I've got Kyle. Yes, Kyle sent a picture. Matt or Joanne, do you know what this is? Someone said it was a sedum, but I am not sure. I live in Port Hope, Ontario. Oh, so you're very close. Kyle, just up the road from me. Um, yes, it is a sedum. It is a sedum. Which cultivar? I I am not too sure. Um, it reminds me of um, Purple Emperor or um, I want to say Matrona, but I think that was a denser form of Autumn Joy. So I might be wrong, but I always think that's one of the purple ones as well and I'm I might be wrong but you are correct it is um a sedum for sure Joanne is muted if because I think she's saying something so she's muted and she doesn't anyways there she goes I'm back (laughs) I'll go back you were saying something (laughs) did you find Um, out that's one way for me not to talk over you right Gary is if I keep muted there you Um, go So I think by your picture and your just and the description I'm reading for Purple Emperor, I think Matt is uh, Matt's always right, you guys. So I think it's Purple Emperor, Matt. <laughs> so he knows his plants. So there okay. you go. So sorry I, about I, that. Just gave that <laughs> nice little description. Just muted. Um, so thank you, Kyle. We love it, everybody. When you send us pictures, Bye. yes, we <laughs> love the pictures for sure. Oh, this is a good one from Craig. Do you want me to read this one? Yeah, yeah. What does Craig? Sure. So high garden path. Oh, we're called garden path now. Thank you. Uh, what is the best soil type to plant sedum? P.S. Good luck with the book. Thank you, Craig. Um, so yeah, Matt, we don't want it to be too wet, like you said, but it, they don't necessarily need like overly nutritious soil. Like they're, you know. Right. Nutritious will help. They don't need rich. They can be planted in average to poor soil. Um, if you've got some average soil, you've added some compost, um, or just some top dressing to it. Maybe uh, you've got a nice, well-drained soil, average soil. That is good um, for it. But the drainage is the key. She doesn't want to sit there. Average to poor soil mm-hmm. is perfectly fine. She's fairly adaptable as far as that pH range goes. And just as long as, again, she's not standing in water. So, yeah. And you've got a full sun to partial sun location for sure. So I hope, hope that helps, Craig. 
Yeah. Yeah. We have got Dawn who's written in to join Matthew. I'm wishing you the best in your new book. Such an amazing task to achieve. Love your show and your advice always, Dawn. Thank you so much, Dawn. Thank you very much. We've also, oh, Jim has also sent out over a picture. Ooh. Oh, what is it? Oh, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> uh, Jim has sent over a picture. Uh, he says, hello, garden path uh, i was weeding my garden over the weekend and i had a brilliant idea i know the folks i know folks that are vegan pass it on he sent a picture and it's a little wedge a pie-shaped wedge of grass and soil and it says vegan cheesecake oh yes <laughs> yes very funny <laughs> thank you very much jim so sedum so i was trying to find that sedum group and i believe um it's uh, one of the groups are the sun sparkler series as well and you're muted again nope i'm um, back mm-hmm. oh there you go <laughs> just in time. i have this so, tickle i so that's why i keep muting because i have this tickle in my throat so i'm trying not to cough in everybody's ear so apologies <laughs> but uh, yeah so tell us about those that variety yeah the sun sparkler series you've got again like the dazzle berries you've got a group of sedums who are focusing on the foliage color um so for example blue pearl uh, is a beautiful one again late summer to early fall zones four to nine um, nice beautiful rich almost like blue black foliage uh, and then they're going to get again those nice uh, flowers over in the fall and the summer that are a nice rich deep pink so most of the flowers um, I think we've kind of mentioned it but haven't really stated <clears throat> it for the most part we're going to see uh, light pinks medium pinks dark pinks and then some variations again, some usually some nice rich reds, medium to dark mm. rich reds across the series. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen any uh, white ones. Most or more so, no white flower ones. Have you seen okay. any white flowering? I've seen I white know. foliage, but I. Yeah, I don't like, you know how I said I've got, so I've got the green with white edges, and then I moved the one, and it was kind of growing differently. It was even though it was smaller, like my ground cover ones, it was more mounded, um, like the dazzleberry, but just smaller. And it was more white than green. And I wonder if that would have a different flower. So I'll have to keep my eye open for it. We'll have to get an update for later. Yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> definitely. So, um, so yeah. I- so yeah. So Blue Pearl is in the Sun Sparkler series. Um, and so is Dazzleberry. But again, I just call Dazzleberry, Dazzleberry, because it's mm-hmm. absolutely dazzling. Um, so definitely check that one out. Were you sorry? I think I was jumping in there. Were you going to jump in with a, another question? Um, well, I want to, I don't know, we can talk about um, Sedum mats. I don't know if you wanted to to talk about that. So yes. that is a product, I know. So it's a product that I've been dying to use. Um, and so is my girlfriend, Nancy, that I mentioned. And she used it for uh, one of the Canada Blooms booths and then has been, then used it in her, the leftover ones from Canada Blooms went to her garden. And then, uh, so she managed to get a job earlier this season of somebody wanted their boulevard completely ripped out. They wanted it all, um, you know, ground cover, you know, that type of thing. So she pitched them seed of mats and they went for it. So, and then I said, so the only thing about seed of mats is to order them directly. Like the garden centers don't stock them. So what they are is they are, I believe one by uh, rectangles, one foot by two feet of, and when she got them at the news uh, several years ago at Canada Blooms, they were actually woven on a fabric. 
But these new ones, oh. it's just the roots. There's no fabric. So um, so she has, I think the minimum order is 250 square feet, which is a lot of seed amounts. <laughs> oh, yeah. So yeah, so she convinced them to let her have her 75 square feet. And I said, okay, I have a couple of edges, a couple of spots where I thought I could really work, use them. But also I wanted to test them out for jobs and clients myself. So I said, I'll take... I think I calculated 12. I said, I'll take 12. So she ordered, this is kind of a funny story. So I'll just say it quickly. So she ordered, you know, she had them all delivered to her site or no, somebody anyway. And so sure enough, um, and they do not need to be butted up against each other so that they can grow into each other. Um, well, lo and behold, she called me to say, um, I think I need some of your 12 because I didn't order enough. Uh, so I ended up with three, let me just say. <laughs> so, so it was hilarious because she, you know, she transferred me that I transferred her the money right away. I was so excited to get 12 seat of mats to play with. And, um, and now I have three now in, in hindsight, I did not have room for 12. I was, you know, being <laughs> over, uh, you know, so I was the opposite of her. So, um, so yeah, so they are. And it's shocking. So it's a mix. Angelina's not in the mix, which is interesting. It's a it's a nice tight mix. And you just need to, you know, dig out, you know, they're probably about an inch thick. So we yeah. dug down about an inch and placed them on the ground. And so I could post a picture. So watch for it on social media. I will post or in our Facebook group also. I will post a picture of mine that I just did. And then I took a picture of Nancy's garden that has grown in and her whole front yard is, uh, is all garden, no grass. And it's really, really done well. So, uh, so yeah, so I think that's something, you know, you do have to involve an, uh, a contractor probably unless you have a really big job. Uh, you can't purchase directly. It's kind of a trade product. Um, often commonly used on uh, green roofs as yes. well so it, they definitely have and you can do a green roof on your shed even so uh so yeah something to think about so everybody can uh again uh, to hope you check out my pictures later and so that's another way and, and another benefit of using uh sedum yeah i remember the garden center that i worked at it <clears throat> have um we would bring them in occasionally um, and then you'll see them at our garden center. We had them for about $24.99 and it was about two square feet. Mm -hmm. Um, so we'd bring in so many. And then we did for a year or two, we had a little, uh, like a little dog house that we decorated the roof. Oh with. yes. Now I remember that. I don't know that. if you remember that. Yeah. 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 We had the, yeah. all the little sedums <clears throat> and stuff like that. Um, yeah. yeah. And then like you said that, yeah, often seen in, in all the green roof products. Mm -hmm. um, as well for sure and I was mm -hmm. trying to I thought I had one um, an old contact of mine she does that in Toronto um, I was thinking we could have her on the show um, but I'll have to quickly google her afterwards yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and I know I have um, another friend of mine who tried them between her stepping stones and so most of her backyard is kind of big uh, concrete stepping stones and big concrete um, squares of patio. And she initially had put sedum mats down in between the gaps, you know, instead of grass. Um, but it's funny, she found that they actually grew too well. So they were like a tripping hazard because now they oh. were, they had grown so much. So she had done, um, uh, so that's another use for them if they're in a space where you have the space, right? Uh, is between stepping stones. 
Um, or maybe an area where people don't walk that often, that type of thing. So she had to remove it all. And then she's, she, she's done micro clo- clover instead, Matt. So that'll be interesting. Um, yeah, that's M- Melanie Recola. She's been on our show in the past a uh, few years ago uh, doing pool design. We talked to her about that. So I was just going to say, we were talking about her with pools, weren't we? Yeah, yeah, cool. for sure. So yeah, so there's lots. I mean, I think they're very durable. And I know um, Bonnie has just written in saying, are these plants or a bush? They are beautiful, expensive, hard to grow. Can we get them and plant them now here in the GTA? And yes to all of that, right? <laughs> yeah, yes to all of that. Definitely take oh, a no, look. Oh, no, they're not expensive. <laughs> so. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. Yes, expensive. they're not expensive at all. That was on my list to cover as well, because we often get okay. that. <laughs> that as well, right? Um, how expensive are these plants? Uh, and depending on the size that you're going to see, really, you might see a two-gallon Autumn Joy or Purple Emperor for, or a garden, or like one of the mats, if you can find them, for about, you know, 20 to 25 bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're fairly inexpensive. You'll often see them again uh, labeled individually in like a four inch or a four and a half yeah. or a quart pot, ranging mm-hmm. anywhere from $3.99 to about $7.99, depending on the cultivar and the size of the pot. Um, but definitely mm-hmm. get out there now and start looking, even though they are fall blooming. Again, for the rest of the season, we have wonderful blues and purples and rich <clears throat> silvers and variegated greens and whites um, and some reds uh, for all season or mm-hmm. for all summer interest. So you mm-hmm. will get to see a lot of them out right now versus you know, when they flower, for example, hydrangeas, when it's summertime and it's hydrangea time, there's all the hydrangeas in the world, but sedums tend to be a little bit more heavy in availability earlier than their bloom time. That's right. That's right. Especially those four inch pots. So if you go to garden center now and they're, they're got them on sale because they went and watering those four inch pots is not their favorite thing to do, trying to keep those plants alive. So you can often go and get six or seven or eight of those and make yourself a nice good patch. So it's good for, you know, it's good for like a slightly high traffic area. Um, you know, maybe to have people avoid that area if you've got something that's a planting there or under other plants. They that's how I have them. They're very understory um, along the boulevard or the edge of the. Like I said, if your garden edges to the driveway or edges to the sidewalk, it's another good one around rocks, that type of thing. Um, instead of river rock, which can be high maintenance, you could do mm-hmm. like a little kaleidoscope of different sedums and and have them grow together. And they be you know they're tough. They can take a little bit of abuse, you know, no, not daily walking, but, um, you know, they definitely are tough. So, so yeah. And I'm usually not even crazy about the flowers beyond it. Cause sometimes the flowers get a little tall and, and then they, they just kind of stand there. Right. So, you know, yes, I agree. And, and then, mm-hmm. like you said, is you're tough, you know, they're salt tolerant as well. Um, so great for that dry average kind of rough spot. So yeah, mm-hmm. great for a ground cover. Great. You can make your own little mix and, and match matting. You can make them as a nice mass ground cover. Uh, okay. They're also rabbit resistant as well. Ooh, yeah. there's a big one. What Just about deer, do you think? Deer as well. They don't like all of them. When push come to shove, I think either of them are going to take a yeah. nibble or two um, or walk over them. Uh, but they, for the most part, are deer and rabbit resistant as well. There you go. And then we do get all those other benefits, you know, attracting, you know, bees as they gather the last resources for sleep Mm -hmm. um, for winter and butterflies, hummingbirds, 
things like that. Great for texture mm -hmm. as well. We yeah. also had, I think, um, Steve, Stephen has written in as well, just hi to Joanne and Matt. Are these perennials correct? Mm -hmm. Or these are perennials correct? And yes, just to re, um, uh, just to reemphasize that point. Yes, they are all perennials. Hardy to zone uh, two to three is where they'll go high. Uh, and then they'll go uh, higher or low zones, two to three cold hardiness. Yeah. And then their heat tolerance is about nine or a 10. You can, however, find some annual varieties of sedum um, that, that won't survive our winters. They're going to be hardy 11, 12, uh, okay. and usually in the Southern United States kind of area. But for the most part, they're, they're gonna be perennial. Okay, that's yeah. great. Yeah, and like, you know, they're very versatile. So, I mean, they look good um, as a grouping. They look good as, um, oh, this is one thing that Nancy, so speaking of Autumn Joy, so we, where we part, so one thing about these garden tours, they're in these communities that, that you don't normally walk around, right? The old areas of Toronto. Yeah. And so, so only certain show homes are on the tour, but when you have to walk from point A to point B, right, you're passing all these other homes. So actually it was a house near where we parked the car um, and they had a very, in this area, a lot of sloped front yards, a lot of tiered and a lot of people saw how people dealt with or didn't deal with their slopes right yes so this one <laughs> they had a tree kind of midway down on their slope and the border I mean they did have stone uh stacked up kind of retaining the soil but they kind of had like a u-shaped border underneath the tree like half circle of nice. small uh sedums small autumn joys oh, and nice. it made like a nice tidy border in a half circle uh, around the base of that tree you know like you know you would do like a mulch circle like what well, was the half like the outline of the of the root ball and we both were like oh well that's good purpose use that's a good use for sedum you know because yeah. it would be very dry right like everything draining in that garden right mm -hmm. um and uh that type of thing so yeah so it, it did kind of and I think it helped with that retaining as well even though there was stone underneath it I wouldn't say it was professionally installed stone. So I feel like the, the sedum actually did a little bit of help with a little bit of retaining. So not to replace your, your retaining walls, but uh, you know, there is a definitely, um, it's really a plant that I feel like is underused a little bit. And, um, and, the, and then to think outside the autumn joy of not just going with what your neighbor has and she's given you or your mom has and she's given you and you've divided it three or four times, like much like the green and white hosta, right? That everybody has a gazillion of because somebody divided it and, and had so much of it. So really look for the dazzleberry, look for the ground cover ones, look for, um, you know, something really interesting texture and color. And you're, what you mentioned about the bees too, the, the fact that they bloom later in the season is also very valuable. Yeah, yeah, that nice little pollen nectar source before everyone heads to sleep. We're almost at the end of the show. We're hitting in that last 10 minutes. Do we have some more questions? Mm -hmm. What do we have? We have Not Joe, do you want me to read Joe's? Yeah, what does Joe say? Joe says, good topic tonight. His question for us is how does he care for or do I need to prune my pot of potted sedum plants interesting joe so you're going to try to keep it in a pot hmm. yeah and i mean joe depending on where you are um yeah if you're in a zone like we're in the zone 5b 6a if you have one that's zone you know two or three a little cooler she'll take a little bit more of that uh, uh freeze thaw that winter cold that we've got so yeah very cool how do you care for it um yeah, just make sure again you've got that nice well drained 
uh, drainage. If you need to, if it's getting too big or you find it's getting kind of straggly looking and you want to re-increase its vigor and just kind of revitalize it, uh, you want to divide them in early spring as those shoots come out, just mm-hmm. dig her up, take a nice little piece off of her. Uh, you can use it to amend the soil, uh, add some, again, just well-drained. You could add a little bit of compost, but average, pardon me, to poor soil is good. And then just making sure you've got that nice, bright, sunny to part sun mm-hmm. location. As long as she's hardy and she's got that sun, you're probably pretty good. Um, yeah, they're great for containers. I've mm-hmm. often... Yeah, um, I was just thinking about that. Angelina, right? Is Angelina good for is a classic, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Or any of the little variegated ones. I've always loved just grabbing one or two of those four-inch ones and just putting it in a nice sunny container mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. letting it spill over the side. So, yeah. yeah. Do you think you, you could overwinter them in the container? Like, do you think maybe think, in the yeah. garage? I was going to say, I think if you had a protected enough space and then just watching the container again, making sure that it doesn't dry out, um, being a perennial does want that cold period um, and just let her go to sleep and then pop Mm -hmm. her back out again. Um, Last year, I mentioned, um, I think Julia was on the show last year and I said I was trying my perennial alpine strawberries uh, Mm -hmm. out in my window boxes. And I had great success. I just kind of pushed it against the door and uh, just let kind of stuff blow on them and put some perennials and they all pop back up. So, uh, and they were, they were hardy to zone five. So that was right on our zone and they, and they came up. I lost one or two. I had like a dozen plants, but yeah. So yeah, Joe, if they're cold enough, you should be able to do that. Or like you said, if you have a, don't have a protected spot or somewhere to put it over, the winter if you have an unheated garage mm-hmm. just again bring it into just inside the door because at the back of the garage is going to freeze really hard so, and you get that little bit of air movement and it's a lot more mm. uh, forgiving at the front of the garage door just don't okay. hit it with your car as you go uh, but <laughs> <laughs> Matt nobody I know you have live in a condo but no, nobody with a house parks in the garage <laughs> oh okay <laughs> so we don't have to worry right. about that <laughs> My friend in Lindsay parks two cars in their garage. Does she really? Wow. <laughs> no, two SUVs. But <laughs> two SUVs. I want to meet them. Oh my yeah. gosh. But uh, yeah. So uh, no, that's kind of funny. But yeah, I because I think it would be they would because of the variety of them, you could really make some really interesting arrangements in containers. That's something that honestly didn't occur to me till right now. <laughs> you oh know? yeah. I mean, aside from the Angelina and it being like instead of sweet potato vine being that cascading one. So yeah, so definitely some neat uses. Yeah, so, and I mean, one of the ones in the, again, the Sun Sparkler series, the Blue Elf, um, again, beautiful blue and silver foliage, four to six inches only <clears throat> tall, great for a little spiller uh, and growing anywhere from 14 to 18 inches uh, wide. Not going to be that full in that first year, obviously, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, just lots of great dwarf varieties, medium-sized varieties like Sun Sparkle Dazzleberry, uh, and then, you know, Purple Emperor and your Autumn Joys and Matrona's your classic upright rounded one. So yeah, such great varieties too, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And even great the yellow, mix. like I've got Lemon Jade, um, Lime Zinger and yeah, Yellow Brick Road. So those, those are some really interesting ones. And they do have the little, um, 
it's funny the little symbols in this you know have the little cactus a little butterfly and a little bee (laughs) (laughs) how often do you see that in our play and i'm gonna go through the rest of this book i don't know that we're gonna see those three those three together but that is uh oh salvia we've got hummingbird butterfly bee oh no and no deer that's that's it so not a cactus um, and you mentioned it before the show too, that sometimes people might think of, um, like I think of the indoor plant, like the, um, cause they became very popular. The echeverias. Thank you. <laughs> Over yeah. my head. And then outside, like the, the, the hens and chicks, yeah. you know, so they, you know, kind of like, they're kind of in the same family, but not really, I don't think, right. Botanically, they're not really, um, but they do have that same kind of texture and like think of an aloe vera plant, right. But the sedums aren't as juicy you know, as like an aloe vera plant, but uh, definitely um, a succulent and not leaving a lot of water and and can take some tough love. So very good for people who have a lot of sun, don't want to do a lot of watering and don't want to do a lot of much, right? Like they can really take some tough love. Yeah, they can take that heat in spades, that average to poor soil, very drought tolerant, um, you know, the hens are the big ones and the little chicks are the little sports that mm-hmm. little uh, rhizomes or the stolons get spread out. Uh, so they're easy to locate. And again, like the sedums, you've got beautiful greens and golds and reds. Uh, spiderweb is one of my favorites. It has a little pubescence and as the little spikes all open, it pulls apart this little cottony web around it and gives it a really soft texture. So lots of cool and variety, uh, cool variety there as well. As we're getting to the last five minutes, Mike has written in as well. Hi, Joanne and Matthew. Here are my sedum. At least I think they are. Uh, We bought the property last year, and this is what I was told they are. He lives in Boulder, Colorado. And Mike, forgive me, I thought I could just click on the picture uh, and open them up. But I can't. Yeah, I couldn't. Can you? Because I can't either. I can, but when I enlarge it, it's very blurry. Yes. So it does look like there's a little bit there on the bottom around the rock by the pink, Mike. And then yep, it looks like and then you've got some daylilies in the grass. Yep. And on the left could be too. I was going to say, just the above the, the stone rock. right there. Yeah. 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 That looks yeah. like it could be an autumn joy or a yeah. whoever. Yeah. yeah. So it yeah. looks like you might have a few different sedums there for sure. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you for your picture, good. Mike. Yeah. Thank you. So we're excited to do perennial month for you this, even though it's three weeks. <laughs> it's a perennial three weeks, right? Um, and Matt and I were talking about the, to the show. And we so we want to do a shout out because we think there's a whole bunch, you know, we've, we've done a lot of shows on different perennials and they've all been kind of um, very popular or new or innovative, you know, like the different salvias, much like we did shrubs, right? You know, but I think there's some that are really interesting perennials and they are hard workers in your garden and yet no one really talks much about them so we don't know what the title of the show is going to be yet but um i want to hear from like if you have something tonight you can write us in the last four minutes of the show uh, or three minutes scary sorry um (laughs) or send us an email um at instudio 101 at gmail.com or down the garden podcast Garden Path Podcast, down Thank the Garden you. Path Podcast <laughs> at hotmail.com. At hotmail.com. And tell us what, like, what one in, perennial in your garden that just seems to perform without any, um, you know, pomps or circumstances, you know what I mean? Like anything and any hard work or anything like that. Um, and that just shows up and it, 
and it serves it maybe a period of time, like it looks good at a period of time in the summer when other things don't, or it provides um, good structure or interest or anything, uh, you know, or even, of course, a pretty flower. We always love that, right? Yes. So. Yes. So I would love to hear what you have. Matt and I both have our ideas and our list. Um, so we will come up with that. That's what I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about that next week, because we'll probably both learn some stuff, right? That's right. We'll dive into those little categories of super performers that maybe we don't all have our eyes on that are mm -hmm. just tucked away in those benches of your, your local garden center, for sure. For That's sure. right. That's right. So, yeah. Yeah another week another episode so we hope you all enjoyed our little dive into the world of sedums again these guys are beautiful performers um wondrous performers easy to divide tough conditions deer rabbit drought tolerant mm -hmm. resistance um there's really going to be a sedum out there for everybody especially right. as things become warmer and hotter and sunnier uh, mm -hmm. as we move through what we have as climate change uh, and local regions change, et cetera. So there's definitely a great, beautiful sedum out there, whether it's you're buying it for the foliage, uh, that tough spot in your area, or just a nice fall blooming shrub substitute. Maybe you've got that mm -hmm. little gap in your fall flower color uh, and you need a little pop of color and some architecture yeah. or a backdrop. You've got some great taller, rounder sedums to pick mm -hmm. from that's right that's right so thanks everybody thank you everybody for tuning in to uh, another episode here on reality radio 101 of down the garden path podcast don't forget you can find us on our websites www.downtoearth.ca and naturalaffinity.ca and don't forget i'd be remiss if i forgot to say don't forget to check out our new book down the garden path uh, a step-by-step -step guide to your Ontario garden now available on Amazon. Mm -hmm. uh, it goes through all of the wonderful tips, tricks, and advice that uh, we've been put on <clears> the show <throat> or on the radio over the last many years. Have a great evening, everyone. Thanks for tuning in again, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Down the Garden Path with your host, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing, right here on Reality Radio 101.